This, this is the huddle. Every Thursday from noon to two. Presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Let's go in! The Huddle. It is the huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Rost. We have to recap and look back at an unfortunate loss for the Seahawks, but talk about a little bit of what we learned and then look forward to a regular season finale, a must-win situation for the Seahawks. Before we start talking about the Cardinals, let's jump back to the Steelers. Guys, what was so frustrating about the final three games is they all look winnable on paper. Now, they did beat the Titans, and that's great news. They did not beat the Steelers. Mm. Dave, I'm going to start with you. It's hard not to immediately look at the defense as the reason why in this one yeah that was frustrating to watch you know and I thought I thought you know Gino looked really good you know the way some of the plays that he made some of the off it's kind of funny watching the the game with the Huskies you see Penix did kind of the same thing Gino did you know like uh, as far as off schedule throws and his feet weren't flat the one cross I did a football one-on-one on the crosser that he threw to um, Noah Fant where he just avoids a rush steps up he's kind of flat-footed and just you know, th- finds a guy in between four different re- uh, defenders. So, but yeah, I mean, the defense, uh, that was, I- I've never been that frustrated. I don't think calling a game and afterwards I was like, was I too harsh? Was I being too <laughs> negative? So, um, but yeah, I mean, I've been instructed to just call it like I see it. So that was very frustrating just because I thought, you know, missed tackles, um, that's going to happen. I remember asking one of my uh, coaches one time, I'm like, is it possible to go through a season? This is my first year, second year, so I was, like, very naive. Is it possible to go through a season without a missed tackle? And he's like, no way. There's no no way. That's going to happen because those guys are paid to make you miss, right? right. And, I, and I don't want to take anything away from those two running backs, Warren and Harris. They were mm-hmm. really good. You know, they just they just bullied us. But I felt like as the game went on, of course, in the second half, they kind of fixed it, but... I thought that they would load up to stop the run and not worry too much about the big plays. And it, it didn't go that way in the first half for sure. So, But I, I felt like there was kind of this gradualism of like guys were going slower and just assuming that another guy was going to make a tackle. And, yeah, there was lots of really bad looks. I know on Twitter, the, the, a couple of the touchdowns, there were guys standing around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just a, just a standard. It's almost like you need to have a cold bucket of water poured over your head. <laughs> like, you guys, you're not playing fast. <laughs> you're just not. And so it just, it just kind of snowballed and got worse and worse and worse. Wyman talked about feeling frustrated watching this one. Bump, is that how you felt? How are you feeling watching this? Um, Frustrated as well. And um, you watched the game and you felt like guys were in position to make plays and just couldn't finish the deal. You got a running back wrapped up in the backfield. He shakes loose. Um, Two or three guys hit him two or three yards down the field. He shakes loose for another 10 or 15 yards. Um, It just felt like, and I've used this analogy before, man, it's like when you're in a dream and you just can't run fast or you can't hit or anything like that. It feels like something's holding you back. And you wake up and the blankets are tangled in your legs. Oh, that's what it was. That's what the defense, that's what it felt like watching the defense. It's like, just make the play. And they they weren't able to do it. Um, But like, like Dave pointed out, I think Gino was good in the pocket. Um, I think that DK Metcalf is finishing the season on a high note. He's playing some good football. Mm-hmm. 
and offensively it's just when you can't get that run game going, it's just so tough, man, because um, this offense isn't an offense, offense that's going to toss for 400 yards and three or four touchdowns. They need the run game to complement everything that they're doing. So when you can't get that going, you're limited, yet you still put up about the amount of points that you put up every other game. So, um, yeah, it was uh, frustrating watching the defense and then uh, disappointing watching that offense not – being able to get the run game going, but you lose your tackle, you lose your center, uh, you lose your running back, he's banged up. It was a perfect recipe for a disaster in that run game. Wyman, Pete Carroll um, was asked about a lot of those missed tackles at the press conference he had yesterday with reporters, and he said, look, part of that's just youth. We're a young team. You're going to have – he pointed to, like, Devin Witherspoon, like, over-pursuing and then just kind of missing on it. Is that what you see as the problem when it comes to um, specifically missed tackles, or do you think it's a little more than that? No, I I think it's – I think the biggest problem wasn't really the missed tackles. It was – how we were just not playing fast, you know? And that's the thing. Witherspoon, he had the first missed tackle of the game. But that dude plays fast all the time, you know? And I think there's that. I think also that you just can't really tackle anybody anymore. And, you know, it's it's really difficult. So I can see where guys – and I've been saying this for the last few weeks that – if if I'm a quarterback coach or an offensive coordinator, I'm telling the quarterback, run. Because, you know, like in the – watching Tannehill scramble a couple of times, you could see like Kobe Bryant and Quandre Diggs, they didn't know what to do because you're supposed to hit them in a small target and, you know, you know you're going to get a penalty. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that there's a little bit of that. And then this time of year, you don't really work on – they're not even in pads. The no. NFLPA has, you know – a a deal with the NFL that they're not in pads after, I don't know if it's like week 10 or 12 or something like that. Mm -hmm. So um, it's just hard to work on it. And it's just a matter of will and being conscientious about it. So uh, I think the thing that bothered me the most were the, the jogging, you know, watching guys and look, I, I, I've seen highlights when I played, I know it happened. I know that there's every once in a while you just, you're thinking or you're watching the game. And that's what Chuck used to say. Look at this guy. He's watching the game. And sometimes you find yourself doing that, but it was like everybody was doing it. Mm. So uh, it just became like a lower standard. And hopefully they come out fired up. And, you know, I don't – Kyler Murray is incredibly dangerous. You know, it's funny. You And I know I'm jumping ahead, but, you know, he's – He's part of, you know, the problem of tackling in the open field. And every time you play Kyler Murray, at least for the last few years, I mean, like, eh, look at his record and it's kind of dysfunctional. And he's not a great leader. But <laughs> the notion of facing that guy yeah. is ridiculous. Right. I mean, yep. He's so fast. I think he has the best feet in the NFL. So, yeah, that's going to be that's going to be uh, a you know, a a big test for them. I mean, I don't mind jumping ahead a little bit because it's still relevant to this game, right? I mean, let's take what Wyman said about Kyler Murray, about some of the challenges that's going to be faced by this defense when they face the Arizona Cardinals bump. What are they going to need to correct where you looked at it in the Steelers game and thought that can't happen against Arizona? Well, it was part of my uh, my four down yesterday. Uh, I'm going to ask Dave. Dave, who do you think is the best team at breaking tackles when running the football like on a rush? Uh, the best team yeah. that we've seen? or No, just in the league. Okay. Well, I mean, after watching that, Pittsburgh 
look looks pretty and, good. And you're exactly right. They break the most tackles while rushing the football. Yeah. 54 tackles they broke, and I'd say 10 were last week. So <laughs> now you, you shift over to the Arizona Cardinals. They're fourth in the league when it comes to breaking tackles on rushes. So you're going to see some of the same things. You look at James Conner, the way that he's been running the football. You mentioned Kyler Murray. If you don't wrap these guys up, then you're going to be susceptible to big plays. We're also the number six rushing team in the league right now. Yeah. Uh, so I think you have to just be fundamentally sound when it comes to what the defense is supposed to do, tackle the ball carrier and uh, get him to the ground. So that's what I want to see. There was a game, I forgot what game it was, man, and, and, and Rick Woolen, the very first series, goes out, and it was after a game where we criticized their tackling. He mm -hmm. goes out, drives the guy to the ground. We're like, boom, they obviously made this an emphasis during their prep this week. Whatever you did then, I can't remember what game it was. It was at least three or four games ago. You get back to that, man, and you, they're not in pads. So, what do you do if you're not in pads? Like, how how do you how do you practice tackling if you're not padded up? It's position, it's uh, discipline, it's like you know moving your feet. Like a lot of guys, and I, I I think Pete was saying that there was lots of lunging. So, what that happened? Number one, it's running up there and thinking you can just shoulder a guy right. down. It's ridiculous. It doesn't work in the NFL. And then the other thing is stopping your feet and lunging. You know, mm -hmm. diving at the guy, and I saw a lot of that. But I, th I think you can by getting your hips lower and making your feet work, you know, and just the second you get to contact, your, your legs start going, and you can, you can drill that, you know. And, but, man, to me, the, the, I, I was talking about this yesterday, Bump, that when I coached high school football, I would always tell the kids, like, if it's a, a dive or a sweep or whatever, or a guy catches the ball, it's an emergency, like, you have to get there as fast as you possibly can. Act like it's a life-and-death situation. Because a lot of guys will just kind of jog up there and, you know, tackle the guy. And then, meanwhile, he's gotten an extra four yards. Right. So, um, yeah, I think just that sense of urgency has to be pitched. But I do think you can work on it without banging, you know, getting all banged up in practice without pads. Uh, it's your feet, your hip level, you know, grabbing, cloth, all that stuff. Um, let's talk a bit about the offense. I know that the reason that they lost this game, and we kind of talked about that. I mean, there's never one reason, but the defense uh, obviously was was a big part of the story of this game. Bump, what did you see from, from Gino in the offense? Um, I saw Gino make a few plays that were destined for failure. I saw him buy time. I also saw him have a 25-yard run, show some athleticism there and, and a burst. Um, I saw DK get involved. But uh, we also saw 33% on third downs. Uh, we also saw there weren't too bad in red zone, two for three in the red zone yeah. against Pittsburgh Steelers, who was pretty good in the red zone. Um, but it felt like if the – and this is true, because if they don't rush for 100 yards, they don't win the ball game. It just felt like you weren't able to get the run game going. You get um, just a glimmer of hope, right? Kenneth Walker has a 13-yard run. You're thinking, okay. And he was doing all right. Ten carries for 53. That's 5.3 a clip. Um but he gets banged up. Sharp. It's just the run game suffered because running backs aren't healthy and the mm -hmm. offensive line isn't healthy. You get uh, Forsyth was in. Who, who, who did okay? I don't think he did horribly. Uh, but your center goes down, so you got Ola with Timmy, who's filling in there. And it was like you weren't able to get a push. That defensive line for the Pittsburgh Steelers is better than what people give them credit for. Hayward was dominating that game. Watt was in the backfield constantly. It was like the front line wasn't able to get that push, man. And I think um, – this, this whole offense uh, just flows once the run game gets gone. I think the pass game was decent, but run game just, uh, just wasn't enough. 
Well, I mean, I only saved you about a minute here, but um, but Bump's right. I mean, this team uh, has there's a strong correlation between winning, performing well, and getting the run game going. Do you look at the offensive line as kind of the big reason behind why that stalled? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I, I I trust Walker at this point that um, I've kind of stopped questioning whether you know when he stops his feet or mm-hmm. tries to dance too much that like he usually makes the right decision. And I just didn't see enough daylight Mm -hmm. for him, you know, and he's pretty good at finding the daylight. So, yeah, you know, offensive line, that was it was kind of funny in the beginning. We had like four or five different iterations and we're like, we're fine. We're okay, right? Right. Were we four and two at one point? Mm So you're thinking, okay, this will work. But eventually it it breaks down to the point where if you guys have your guys haven't played together and, you know, they're just they're young and they don't have a lot of things to fall back on, then you know, meaning experience, yeah. Yeah. Uh, then, yeah, it can be it can be tough. All right. Well, we're going to stick with the offense for back-to-back segments here because we are speaking with two pass catchers. Tyler Lockett's going to join us next, followed by tight end Colby Parkinson. Don't go anywhere. This is The Huddle, presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on Seattle Sports. It is the huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. Tyler Lockett is on his way over right now from Seahawks practice, which just wrapped. So he's going to join us any minute. I may interrupt us. But um, the Arizona Cardinals defense seems to pose some opportunities here, Bump, for the offense to really get going, right? Yeah. Um, if you look at the numbers for both teams, defensively, they're not very good. Um, on paper, I think um, these teams – they're similar. I mean, the only thing that the Arizona Cardinals really have on the uh, the Seahawks is uh, the run game. But at this point of the season, with the the performances we've seen uh, from the Seahawks, like you can't sleep on nobody, and I don't think they they would sleep on anybody even if they were already clinched into the playoffs. But yeah. Um, but yeah, man, uh, the run defense isn't great. The pass defense isn't great. It's uh, there's opportunity out there, but you still got to go out there and execute. We learned that last week. Yeah, they have one sack in the last five games. No. Arizona does. Uh, 33, so there's only they have 33 total, so I think there's only two or three teams that are worse than them. Um, so, and you look at the, the pass defenses, 13th, that's one of their better, yeah. one of their better categories defensively. But, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I had to check it like three times. Like, seriously, no sacks for four games out of the last five. So, uh, yeah, like Bump said, I would put it that way. Yeah. There's opportunity. Uh, and we have an opportunity yes. now to talk with Tyler Lockett. He joins us as uh, we get ready to preview this Arizona Cardinals game. It is a regular season finale. Uh, Tyler, you guys are still able to make the playoffs. You got to win. You got to have some help from the Bears. But still, I mean, the season and postseason hopes are alive. What's been the message this week with, with you guys? Uh, I think the biggest message is just making sure that we can control what we can control. Obviously, you know, it's disappointing that we had everything in our grasp and then we lost. So now it's kind of like last year. We got to depend on another team to be able to win. But none of it matters if we don't take care of business. So we just got to be able to take the approach of this is really the only game that we have until further notice. So we got to be able to just do the work. Biggest thing is just finish. That's that's mainly what everybody's preaching in there. Oh, man, I just want to ask about life, man. Uh, married now, you know, uh, you got the, the realty going. How's uh, this life treating you? And, and, and football, of course, but I just want to know about yeah. how everything else is going. No, I mean, it's going great, man. Um, you know, blessed to be in year nine, blessed to be, you know, with the Seattle Seahawks still. Uh, this was the first year I got a chance for my team, realty team, to sponsor the Seattle Seahawks. So oh. that's been a great, um, just a great moment. 
an experience just to be able to do that and to be a part of that. Um, as far as the real estate, I mean, the real estate is going well. I think for me, one of the best things that I've, I'm kind of learning is that I'm glad that I got into something that I want to do when I'm done playing, right. being able to get it started now rather than waiting until I'm done. And then, you know, Figuring throughout, it all the, out. And yeah. throughout the years, people kind of forget about you because new people come new people are being celebrated and always talked about. And so you want to be able to take advantage of where you are, your name and all these opportunities that's in front of you. So it was, it's just been great being able to get everything off the ground, being able to start. So now people don't look at me as just a football player. They're like, man, I actually heard that you're a great realtor too. Like I, I hear that you actually know what you're doing. So because of that, it's like when I'm done playing at whatever point, mm -hmm. I already have that foundation to where people won't say, what all have you done? Like, what have you sold? They'll be like, okay, I want to work with you and do yeah. business. Nobody's ever going to forget you, Tyler. There's no <laughs> way. But, you know, you're you're right. Like Steve Rabel, who calls the games, you know, Rabes. Mm -hmm. He actually played for the Seahawks. Did you know that? Yeah. A lot of people <laughs> don't because he was an anchor here for like 40 years and everything. Yeah. But, yeah, that's, that's, that's good. Hey, we were just talking about Gino. Um, and I just thought he had such a great game and how, how good he is playing, Try, especially moving around the pocket and kind of throwing off balance every once in a while. Talk about his game and kind of your relationship with Gino off the field. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, you know, Gino did a great job coming back from his injury and just fighting to do whatever he could to come back in tip-top shape and still to be able to help us get to the playoffs. Uh, the way that you see him move around the pocket, I mean, it's really big because we're playing against guys who are really, really good on the D-line. And that's almost been <laughs> this entire season, right? So he's been having to find different ways to maneuver, to still get his eyes to look downfield and not to panic. And I think when you watch him play and you watch the decisions that he makes, he does a great job staying poised, not being able to panic, even if it's in a, a crucial situation or you know, a guy is just running after him. He's still being able mm -hmm. to pick and choose. When do I use my feet? When do I choose to um, allow my feet to allow me to create more time so I can still make that throw? He's taking some crazy shots, too, and still yeah. being able to complete those passes. So it, it speaks a lot about his toughness, and it speaks a lot about just how much he cares and how much he also trusts us because he is throwing the ball in some real difficult windows, yeah. trusting that us as receivers or tight ends or even backs are going to be able to make those catches and come down with it. You guys have a, a really interesting conundrum with the offense because you have a lot of talent and you know that um you guys have familiarity with each other and chemistry and you know that uh Shane Waldron it's solid right it's like everything on paper is just fine and sometimes you guys look amazing like against Dallas I know it wasn't a win but mm -hmm. you guys were phenomenal um and uh and you've had a couple other games like that I mean heck we were talking about against the Steelers like Dave mentioned like you guys were great um and then sometimes it just feels like it doesn't get going do you feel that as a player when you're out there do you feel like if the run isn't going, I feel like guys are playing me like closer. Like, how does it feel? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's different. It's it's really just a part of the game. Um, sometimes things go great. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes teams switch up what you see on film and they play the total opposite you yeah. know, of what you think they're going to play. Uh, sometimes they try to take guys out and they rarely show that they try to take guys out. But for us, it's really just trying to get in rhythm and get in sync. 
And sometimes it's hard to do that if we as an offense don't stay on the field. It makes it a little bit more difficult for us to figure out what are they doing on third down if we go three and out. Yeah. There was only one third down that we can look at. And then if we go a second time in this three and out, we only got two third downs to look at. So you're still kind of playing this guessing game of are they going to like call a Rolodex of coverages or are they just going to be able to call this same coverage every third down? So once you kind of get the drives going and you're able to convert one third down, a second third down, all just in one play drive, now you're able to go back and say, okay, we have four different third downs we can look at. Now we see what they're doing. This is how we're going to start attacking them. So staying on the field for a numerous amount of time, whether it's five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes, it really gives you an advantage of seeing exactly what the defenses look like on first and second as well as third, and then we can exploit it. Uh, you mentioned year nine for you. Um, is there anything – that uh, you learn about yourself or is there anything that, um, you know, a defense has thrown at you that, that's different this year? Because I would assume, man, you've seen a lot of defenses, a lot of coverages. I mean, you know who you are as a player. Yeah. Anything you learned this year? Uh, I mean, I think one of the biggest things that you learn is as you keep playing a game, you just don't allow the circumstances to dictate the work ethic that you put in. And, uh, you know, the thing I like about football is that it's such a business as well as a fun sport that we play that you got to learn how to still be able to focus on your assignment and to be able to put your best foot forward because this is your job at the end of the day. And so you got to learn how not to deal with or you got to learn how to overcome those anxious thoughts or that wonder in mind that may linger and, and come along. And so. Um, when you just look at the things that happen in life and anybody that wants to accomplish whatever it is that they want to do, you can't let the circumstances dictate your mood. You can't let it dictate the work that you put into it. You can't let it dictate your confidence. You still have to be able to figure out how you can be your best self no matter what the case is. Tyler, I like that you used the word Rolodex because a lot of the kids nowadays don't know what a Rolodex <laughs> oh, yeah. is, man. I saw someone hey. the other day question whether phone booths ever existed. Uh, yeah, I was. Oh, Did you wow. see that? Chuck Knox used like... to say, you remember phone mm -hmm. booths, right? Chuck Knox used to say, he's phone booth tough. And people, you say it now, and they're like, what the hell is a yeah. phone booth? Hey, I was looking at, like, on your knee, you got that scrape there. That's one of the things I really do not miss is that, <laughs> oh, like, having all. to get, like, a, a toenail drill oh. to get the blood out of it and things like that. I mean, it's not going to keep you out the field, but those kinds of things just kind of nag you. nagging injuries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially on them turf burns. Yeah. Just constant. It, you still get the, the turf burns on this stuff, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. what all of this is. That's what that is, yeah. Well, you guys, most of you cannot see it except for the three of us. It's a... Uh, pretty gross but it's just <laughs> it's annoying right like it's just one of those things you're like oh man i'm gonna have to deal with this all year mm, yeah. it's, it's been opening up every game yeah. well eventually <laughs> you'll get some time to relax but let's hope it's later than uh than it seems right now right yeah. uh all right he is tyler lockett kind enough to join us after practice thanks so much tyler thanks, no tyler. problem thanks for having all right me. you guys we're going to talk to colby parkinson next don't go anywhere this is the huddle this, this is the huddle Presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on Seattle Sports. Parkinson on the left. Gino looks that way, throws back shoulder. Parkinson has the catch. Touchdown, Seahawks. The Seahawks line up all three of their star wideouts to the right. They throw backside to Parkinson. A perfect back shoulder throw by Gino. And the Seahawks go up 19 to 17 with 57 seconds left awaiting the PAT. What a great call and a great throw by Gino. A great catch by Colby Parkinson joining us now on the huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and me, Stacey Ross. 
Colby, when you hear highlights of yourself like that, like to intro you, do you do you feel like, yeah, that's right? Or do you get like bashful? Uh, I definitely get a little excited. Kind of puts me back in that moment. You know, game winner to go up three. Uh, pretty exciting. Uh, I love that. Um, when you lined up, now we were asking you off air about your first fight, and you were like, ah, well, nobody really messed with me. I'm too big. Right? <laughs> Which so, he is. Yeah. yeah. So when you got that ISO on that, on that play to win the mm-hmm. game, is that what you're thinking? I'm too big. Just toss this thing up. Well, that's what I've been trying to do. Yeah, you know, in, at Stanford, I did that a bunch. Had a lot of opportunities to, um, you know, catch those jump balls. And mm-hmm. uh, we've been working on it all season. Gino's been trusting it in practice and just waiting for an opportunity. Yeah, so how how much did you, like, I think we talked to you last week mm-hmm. when you said you pretty much knew that that was going to come at some point, right? Yeah. Had you guys work, had been working on that particularly hard that week, though? Did you see more of a tendency with Tennessee? Uh, not necessarily. Uh, we've been working it every week. It's been in the game plan, just haven't had the right, um, you know, stars aligned to be able to call it. And we finally did, and I knew I had to catch it if I wanted to get it called again. Now, <laughs> I know you were like a baseball fan. Did you – I can't remember. Did you play basketball? I did, yeah. Yeah, so you're basically just posting that guy yeah, up, Yeah, right? just post up and mm-hmm. go up and get it. Yeah. What was your uh, basketball – are you like a college basketball fan, uh, NBA fan at all? Uh, I was a Clippers fan growing up. So okay. the, the Lob City with Blake Griffin, Lob DeAndre City. Jordan. Did you want to share your starting five for the Lakers, which is an appalling starting yeah, five? Yeah, people were mad at my starting five, man. I threw like Nick Van Exel in at the point. You're a little young. I don't know if you remember uh-uh. him or not. Uh, Nick Van Exel, of course, Kobe. I threw Magic in at the three. Then I had Shaq. People were lighting me up, though. You know, That's so, hilarious. Yeah. You know. It was a very controversial take. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> what would be your Dream 5 Clippers lineup? Oh, Dream 5. I mean, the Lob City lineup was pretty pretty yeah. money as it is. Yeah. Chris Paul would be up there. Uh, Randy Foy, when he was a shooter, uh-huh. um, kind of before the Lob City era. Uh, Blake at the 4, DeAndre Jordan at the 5, 3, uh, probably Jamal Crawford. Yeah. He'd be maybe the 2. But yeah, Clippers fan. How did you become a Clippers fan? You know, that's yeah, like I know. You know, coming from Cali, if you're yeah. a Clippers fan, we're like, what happened in your life? Like, so well, it's actually, so actually where did funny. the trauma start? <laughs> so it started in second grade. We had this jump rope for heart, you know, foundation at, yeah. in uh, elementary school, and the the winner got tickets to the Clippers game okay. because they were like probably five dollars a ticket. <laughs> right. But I went with Give my uh, some of my buddies. My dad took me, and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to start being a Clippers You're fan. a real one for that. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys must have fun in there, man. Uh, your coach, Pat, Pat McPherson, mm-hmm. I've known him for a while. Just a good, fun-loving, nice guy. Yep. And you got you got Dis in there. And, yeah, tell us about that room. Uh, Noah Fant, and then is there – is uh, uh, We have Brady Russell and then Tyler Mabry as well. So right. we got a great group of guys. It's so yeah. much fun in there. Uh, Pat, you know, has to wield us in every now and then, make sure we're not too unruly. But uh, yeah. we have a good time, you know, make sure we're always looking out for each other, uh, you know, no matter what's happening on the field. Why, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, I just think it's fundamentally true. Why are tight ends most often like the weirdest dudes? <laughs> Am I wrong? Like, no, I, I think now, right. Granted, I was covering this team when like Luke Wilson sure. was a rookie. So it's like, okay, well, I've seen a version of like a very weird tight uh-huh. end. But, uh, but it just feels like tight ends always have like a ton of personality, like sometimes kind of weird yeah. like is it just like just a fun group like do you know other tight ends around the league where you're like i see it yeah for sure and, you know tight ends tend to get a- along really well with each other and kind of yeah. with everyone i think the pendulum has swung a little back since luke was here you know shout out to him but uh <laughs> definitely swung the weirdness yeah, yeah 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 um but we i mean we have to get along with everyone we have to yeah. get along with the quarterbacks receivers the o-line so i think it kind of helps uh, having that sociable personality yeah that, that's true I, I had shannon sharp in denver he never shut up. And, you know, he was always talking. He was like, I'm sure I can, you know, get a job, get, you know, get paid a couple, 300000 a year. And I was like, you're full of crap. No way. He's and doing all right. He's a millionaire like now. Million dollars, talking. Yeah. yeah. 
Kobe, it's crazy. This is your fourth year in the league. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like we just started covering you like a couple of years ago, man. Yeah. What's what's the evolution of Kobe Parkinson been like um, as a football player and just as a man? Well, yeah, so much life has happened in the last four years. You know, I got married. I have a baby on the way. Um, God has been really good these Congrats. last four years. Thank you. Um, and then football-wise, it's been cool to see, um, you know, myself develop into the you know true ability as the wide blocking tight end, pass catcher. So, uh, you know, I'm thankful for the time um, that all these coaches have invested in me, the, the former teammates or current teammates that, you know, have kind of shaped me into uh, a much better tight end than I came in as. You take a lot of pride in your blocking, mm-hmm. you can tell, and you beefed up and everything. Was that something when you came in? Because I think you were more of like a pass-catching yep. tight end at Stanford, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, is that something that was kind of uh, – you must be proud of it, I guess. Uh, yeah. The fact that you had to work so hard and now you've developed into a really good blocker. Yeah, absolutely. You know, coming coming out of college, no one was ranking me too high for, for blocking. Yeah. You know, I was the pass-catcher, as you said. But uh, the day Seattle drafted me, Pete told me, he's like, hey, we want you to be the Y. And I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Yeah. Got to be able to block. So um, kind of just put my nose to the grindstone and worked yeah. at it. And I think it's just a lot of experience is what helps you um, develop into that blocker. You and your wife, you said welcoming. Is this your first baby? Yes, first one. Have you guys been turning to anyone for some advice on the team? Because there's a lot of fathers on the team. There are a lot. And it's been cool. There's a lot of pregnant women as well. You know, Yeah, Julian and uh, yeah. Love and his wife just had yeah. their son. Yeah, yeah. Drew and his Drew wife as well, yeah, yeah, yeah. pregnant. So it's crazy. It feels like camp was just yesterday with all the, like, <laughs> right. barely showing pregnant wives. Yeah. And now Julian now everyone's having baby. their baby. Yeah, Drew and Nat are well, doing a couple Well, if you guys have uh, any last words, Word of advice before I break here for, yeah. for Colby. I had my first one at 24. Happy early birthday, by the oh, way. Oh, thank you very Monday, much. Monday is your birthday. Yep. Um, uh, enjoy it. Yeah. It happens fast, man. Uh, yep. Fast. My old my oldest is 13 now, and uh-huh. it happened that quick. I'm sure. Yeah. Why, man? I'm a grandpa now. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I think it, it, it helped me have perspective. Mm-hmm. I had to have a really bad game or something would happen at work and you come home. And yeah. You, you, it grounds you absolutely so when i did you say you guys know the gender it's a boy yeah yeah you, did you do the? Did you guys see the big the poppy? Reveal. Yes, and he missed big it. Pop. Well, his his wife pitched him inside. <laughs> That's his pitch, low and inside. Yeah, what do you okay, want? Okay, all right. Did you get jammed up? No, we just looked at it at home together, and yeah, yeah we're really yeah. excited about it. Low key. All right. Well, Kobe, we're we're gonna let you go. Uh, you have you have a lot of stuff to take care of this week as you guys prepare for your regular season finale. Yep. Fingers crossed, is not the finale for this season. He mm-hmm. is tight end Colby Parkinson. Uh, congratulations on the on the new addition, and uh, and have fun. On Sunday. Thanks so much. God bless you. All right. Thank don't you. go anywhere. This is the huddle. This, this is the huddle. Presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Every Thursday from noon to two on Seattle Sports. Lockett starts in motion, right? Goes back. Gino has time. Looks, fires, back of the end zone. Touchdown! Seahawks! Reaching up, making the catch is Jackson Smith in Jigba from 12 yards. And that was a laser thrown by Geno Smith right under the goalpost. JSN reaches up, snatches that ball between the two DBs, and the Seahawks have taken a 13 to 10 lead. Let's take a listen to Geno speaking with reporters now. Yeah, um, you know, it's not really a challenge. Um, it's what we have to do. It's our jobs. And, uh, you know, I think guys are focused. Guys came back ready to work. I thought we had a great practice yesterday. I thought guys were flying around. And then, um, you know, so far so good today. So uh, guys understand what's at stake and, you know, just preparing for another game on Sunday. 
Is it going to be hard not to peek at the scoreboard or to try to find out what's going on in the other game, knowing that your playoff hopes kind of rest on that game as well? Uh, you know, for us, we got to win the game first. So, um, you know, I mean, guys might peek at the scoreboard. I mean, I don't think that matters much. You know, you still got to go out there and execute and do your job. And um, that shouldn't factor in the, into the way you play. You know, you should play hard regardless of what the situation is. So um, I don't know, you know, if that'll happen. I'm not sure how that'll work. I mean, it's up to Arizona to show it. But for us, man, we just got to lock in and play, play ball and um, do whatever it takes to win. We saw Ken Walker get going in the first half of the game on Sunday. The last time you guys played Arizona, he rushed for a, a hundred yards. When he's on, what kind of difference does that make for the offense? I think you know. Again, you know, talking about when we have a balanced, you know, offense. You know, it starts up front. Starts with our offensive line. Uh, starts with us running the ball, being efficient in the running game. Ken Walker, again, is one of the better backs in this league, um, one of the better guys in space. We got to continue to get him the ball. We know how good he is when, when he gets rolling, and we know the effects that has on the offense. So um, it's always positive things when he's doing a great job. And, uh, you know, mixing Zach in there and uh, also with the, you know, with the passing game, you know, being efficient in, in the passing game as well. I think all of that, you know, really um, leads to us being an, an explosive offense, something that we want to be. And, uh, you know, overall, we just got to, you know, continue to find that balance, um, continue to search for it, um, you know, run the ball, obviously efficiently, like I said, and then, you know, be able to pass it as well. How does Arizona look defensively now compared to early in the season? You know, they got some um, some new guys in there, uh, two new linebackers who we didn't see uh, in the first game. Um, overall, you know, having Buda back, I think our game was the first one that he played, and he's been playing, um, you know, pretty well throughout. And so... Overall, man, it's, it's really, really what we've seen, but uh, they have made some adjustments. They got some new personnel, and uh, overall, you know, just different players, but, you know, pretty much the same scheme. Why do you think you guys haven't been as balanced as you wanted to be this year on um, shoot, man, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I wish I had a direct answer for you, but, you know, as I always lead back to execution, you know, I just think it comes down to that um, on game day. You know, it's, it's a hard league. It's tough. It's tough to win, tough to run the ball, tough to pass. Uh, it's not going to be easy, but I think we just got to execute better overall. Um, starting fast is always a good thing. And then, you know, being able to finish in four minutes, you know, having a lead and then running the ball late in games, I think that helps out as well. So um, just overall, you know, us executing better, I think helps out. I think a factor in that is also just maybe getting some third downs and staying on the field. Uh, yeah. Last week, the Steelers had like 20 or some more plays than you guys. Yeah, that's always a big thing. You know, we want to manage um, and really control the clock, control the possession game. Uh, that's why not turning it over is so important. Um, each possession is so important. And we got to make sure that we're doing great on third down, you know, keeping our own defense on the sideline, letting them rest, playing complimentary football. Um, you know, and then scoring touchdowns. It's all about scoring points in this league. And, uh, you know, we drive the ball pretty well, I feel like, you know, for the most part when we have the ball, but we got to score points. And so that's really what it is. What have you and the offense been best at, you think, this year? I don't know. I haven't even thought about it, um, honestly. I think the best thing so far if, if that comes to mind is us finishing games. You know, the, the two-minute offense, I think we've been really good at and being able to finish games and, uh, you know, close them out. I think we've been pretty good. Uh, you know, I think we just need to improve on everything. You know, I don't think there's one thing that we can say um, needs to improve. I think our entire game has to improve. I think that's something I strive for every single day, man, just pushing myself and trying to be the best I can be so that, you know, I can get better each and every day. And so all of us, we got, we all got to get better. Um, no one's a finished product. This offense not, is not a finished product and we got, you know, some ways to go. So we just got to keep working. You had a couple of big plays in the past game, moving around in the pocket, avoiding pass rush. 
that pocket movement, how much of that is just awareness instinct versus something that you are practicing? You know, a lot of it is, is actually the drills that I did in the offseason. You know, a lot of those things that I do um, in my offseason workouts are game-like. You know, I want to make them feel game-like. So, I mean, I have tons of footage of me doing the exact same movements that I've done in the game and being able to get a pass off, you know, either on or off platform and just being able to find ways to get your body in that position uh, with, with, with bodies around you. And so a lot of that is um, instinct, too. But, you know, it's really down to reps. And, uh, you know, I really rep that in the offseason. You know, it is what it is, man. You gotta, you know, you gotta gotta play the cards that you dealt. And I think we dealt ourselves these cards. We had an opportunity to, um, you know, put ourselves in position to be in control. Obviously, that didn't happen. But you know, we still got a chance to make the playoffs, and so we're gonna need some help. But we gotta handle our part first, and so that's what it is. Um, like I said, I wish we had done a better job in being able to control, you know, our own destiny. But you know, things are where they are, and we just gotta move on and go with it. And so that's what we're doing. You know, I think Olu has done a great job from the from the first day he, you know, came in. And, um, you know, he's a young guy, but he's, a, he's very experienced. He's played a lot of football. He understands the game. Uh, he's very professional, comes to work. Uh, he studies. He asks the right questions. And, and then when his opportunity comes, um, he's always ready. He steps in, does a great job. And so I think Olu is only going to get better. The more reps he gets, the more he's able to see certain defenses and uh, he'll get he'll get faster with his mic points. He'll get you know faster with all of his communication. But you know, so far, man, I thought he, I, I think he's done a great job. There's another rookie that you go against in practice quite a bit. Devin Witherspoon gets a uh, gets a Pro Bowl nod. Yeah. How does he challenge you in practice? Little spoon, um, man. He uh, he's so feisty, man. Like you know, just the type of energy he brings. He's so competitive. Uh, great ball skills. Great blitzer. Very smart for his age. Understands spacing. Understands concepts. And, um, you know, when you go up against guys like that, you know, it's always going to make you better. And hopefully we're making him better as well. Um, so I'm very happy for him, you know, really proud of him. You know, I know he's battled some things, but he's very deserving and, um, you know, really happy for him. Mike, I know you, or, you, know, I know you and Mike get up and have uh, developed a little bit of a relationship. Did you get a chance to watch him Monday night and your thoughts on yeah, yeah, I did watch. I did watch the game. Um, I thought he played phenomenal. You know, I think Mike has a, a bright future. Um, I think he's a guy who obviously has a, a ton of talent. You know, I saw that, you know, up close. And, I, you know, I think he has the ability to play in this league. I know he does. And, uh, shoot, man, I hope, I hope you know, they pull it off, uh, get the win, and, and bring it back to, to Seattle, man. It's, uh, it's been a great story for them, a uh, great story for Mike, all the things he's battled back from. And, uh, you know, I'm just proud to see him doing his thing. Uh, he's doing a great job. DK going over a thousand yards for back-to-back years. How would you describe the chemistry you guys have had in the last couple seasons? Yeah, DK, man, he's um, you know, it's, it's funny. He's only getting better. You know, he's only getting better. He's only really scratching the surface of, of who he's gonna be as a player. He's a young young dude, man, and uh, he's still got some ways to go. And to say that is really scary because he's already one of the best. Um, so for him, you know, consecutive thousand-yard seasons. Uh, you know, it's, it's really all the work he's put in. He's deserving. I know he's going to say, he, you know, he wish he had more yards, more catches and all that. But I think he's done a great job. Um, you know, he's, he's having a heck of a season. And uh, he's a great player, man. We love to have him. Anything else? Thank you. Thank you, guys. We are going in the trenches with Ray Roberts next. 
This, this is the huddle. Every Thursday from noon to two. Presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Let's go in. The huddle. It is the huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, Stacey Rost, and right now Ray Roberts, Big Ray, joining us as we go in the trenches every single Thursday for the huddle. And um, Ray, when I look at what happened in the trenches in this one, it sure feels like there were some defensive issues. I'll start with the offense, though. What would you make of the offensive line and, and, uh, and of the run game in this one? Well, I think as unfortunately, first I want to say happy new year's and I uh, hope you guys all had a great Christmas and all oh, that. Thank um, you. Happy new year. But uh, also like we've been kind of saying it all year. There's just too many opp- times where they either get behind the teams because of penalties or because of uh, negative yardage plays or the score gets to the a place where uh, they have to kind of go away from the running game. So they haven't really been able to consistently um feed the running backs and allow the offensive line to get into a rhythm, you know, running the ball. Even Pete, you know, in the last couple of days has said with the running game, we just need to do it more, you know? And, uh, and so doing it more to me means uh, that, you know, in those situations that you don't panic, you, you can still stay with your, with your game plan and still feed uh, the, the running back and allow the, the offensive line to get into a rhythm. It has been a little bit tough. I think Bumpus, I was listening to him earlier t- today talking about, um, how uh, you know Kenneth Walker would come, be healthy for a few games, and be nicked up for a few games, so he's mm-hmm. in and out. So you kind of mess up the rhythm of Charbonnet, which is supposed to be your one-two punch. And then with all the injuries along the offensive line and the shuffling across the offensive line, that has also created like you know some of the uh, uh, lack of the running game because you just you just can't create rhythm and you can't uh, create that connectivity in the running game that you need. You know, and a lot of people like I always say think that. You know, blocking up front, it's just whoever's the strongest dude, you just push the other, the weakest guy out of the way and then give the ball to the running back. And it's just way more than that. You know, it's just more, you really truly have to have basically five guys up front working as one, but you really have to have six guys working as one because the running back is part of that. You know, so you get into a rhythm. They get into a rhythm of how you're blocking, how you're coming off double teams, how the defense is playing, how they're either overrunning or playing, you know, backside cuts, all that kind of stuff. It takes more than 10 carries to get that figured out. Hey, Big Ray, um, Stacy, me and Stacy talked about this yesterday, and I flipped like Georgia in the election. <laughs> um, the question was, are the Seahawks better this year? And initially a week ago, I'm like, yeah, they're better. But then after the loss, I go, I don't know if they're better. Uh, they, they might be slightly worse just because of uh, injuries, right? They weren't as lucky with injuries this year as they were last year. So I ask you that question, man. What do you think about these thoughts? Are they better this year, worse, the same? What are your thoughts? You know, honestly, like, I don't know that they're worse, but I don't know that they took a step forward either. So, you know, I, I think that they're, they're just – there's some things that um, are disappointing because, you know, I was really looking forward to Kenneth Walker having – a big year, whether that's, you know, 1,100 yards rushing, 1,200 yards rushing or what have you. And then I was really interested in seeing what Charbonnet was going to be able to do. Uh, the offensive line, I thought they had like a really good young uh, uh, offensive line, but the injuries kind of messed, messed that all up right from the very jump. I mean, that was what, week two when the, the both tackles were out, you know, and uh, and so it was uh, it was really tough to get that going. Just expected more from the offense. and then And then on the defensive side, um, man, just really didn't expect the running game uh, to be uh, where it is. I didn't expect the tackling to be such an issue. You know, like uh, someone posted a, 
I saw a post on Twitter the other day that said that the Seahawks used to be the standard of how to tackle. Like people used, used to use their videos and their practice techniques on how to teach their teams how to tackle. And now the, now the Seahawks can't, can't seem to tackle. So to me, it's been a, a little disappointing. I can't say that they, that they're worse off than last year, but I just don't feel like they, it doesn't feel like they took the step in either direction uh, the way you thought they would, you know, and even with the passing game, it's been kind of hit and miss, you know, Gino's had big days and then days that, that are not so good, you know, some turnovers. Uh, there's been times when, you know, once they got Jackson Smith and Jigba kind of worked in, things seemed to be a, a little bit better, but then you lost the work from the tight end. So it's, uh, so it's, to me, it's just kind of been like a stalemate almost. You mentioned uh, the young guys. Uh, tell us where you think Olu is and his his development as as a young player. And you know, I think most guys the second year is when they really start to flourish. But how, how is he? Is he on track? Yeah, I think so, Dave. Like um, I talked to him a lot. Uh, you know, he he went to Virginia for a little while. I was frustrated with him when he transferred to Michigan. <laughs> But uh, but uh, but I understood what he was trying to do. He wanted to be a better run blocker, and that's what they do up there. Uh, but I think you know, for him, it's just a matter of getting the reps and then really understanding um, what it takes to, especially in the running game, what it takes to block dudes in this league. You know, like you you really have to have uh, some good lower body strength to drive guys off the ball. You can't just position block folks and I think at Michigan he did more of that and in this league if you're just standing at the line of scrimmage holding someone uh they're going to get off and make the tackle and so I think he's he's learning that part of it but I remember at the beginning of the season Shane Waldron said that he they felt like they have two starting centers and the reason that they um and the starting centers went to the top of my, my head what's his name uh, Evan Brown <laughs> Evan Brown. The reason they went with Evan Brown was because of the experience. He had played a ton of games at guard and at and at center, and he had been pretty successful at center. And so, and then it was pretty interesting talking to Evan Brown because he was saying that like he even he would go back and forth with with uh, Olu on how he should do certain things because Olu has proven himself to be a, a pro's pro, and he was one of the top centers in the country for a couple of years. And so it was interesting to have a guy with that much experience still kind of leaning on a rookie going like, Hey, like, what do you see? How would you do it? Like, and the, the relationship they had right there. So I think he's on track and uh, I, it's going to be interesting to see what they do uh, with the center position because Evan's on the one year deal, but, but Evan can also play guard. <laughs> yeah. So it, he, it may still be a, a, a guy that you want to resign because he's been healthy all year other than, you know, this concussion, he missed maybe one other game, but, um, but he could add depth to the offensive line. And some spaces where we need it. What have you seen development-wise uh, from both tackles? Obviously, to a much lesser extent, Abe Lucas, since we haven't seen much of him at all. But but from from either of those guys, what have you seen this year? Yeah, I would say with Charles Cross, like early in the season, I just saw a different run blocker. Like he was, uh, his pad level was better. He seemed like he was stronger at the point of attack. When he first came in as a rookie, he was more athlete and pass blocker and less meat eater and grinder in the running game. And uh, it seemed like that part of his game got better. Uh, the hard thing, though, is like some of his technique and like he's given up more pressures and sacks than I thought he would this year. And I think uh, some of it comes to sometimes he gets lazy with his technique. So he either drifts too far up the field and it gives the, the rusher 
uh, the pass rusher two ways to go, and you never want to do that because they're always going to take the usually take the inside. It's the shortest route to the quarterback, and so I've seen him kind of struggle with that a little bit. And then at times he carries his hands a little too low, and so they'll they can slap his hands down, get around the corner, and he and it's hard to recover from that. So uh, that he uh, to me the pass blocking could I thought was going to be better, uh, but the run blocking is definitely better. And then for Abe, it's just a matter of his health, man. Abe, Abe had it all kind of nipped in the bud his rookie year. He was great pass blocking. David, you know, and I would always just relish it how powerful the dude was when people tried to bull rush him and he was able to handle the, the speed rushes and all that stuff. And then he is the absolute tone setter in the run game. Uh, I think if Bradford can get himself in a little better shape uh, and and really hone in on his technique, uh, he, and, he and Lucas could be uh, could be deadly in the run game on that right side. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how the offensive line, which is very young, develops over the course of the next couple seasons. But obviously, we're all looking at week 18, too. He is Ray Roberts. You can hear him on the Seahawks pre- and post-game show this Sunday. Thanks so much, Ray. Thanks, Ray. Hey, thanks for having me. You guys have a great day. You too. Uh, All right. We still have a couple things to check in with. We're going to hear from first-time Pro Bowler Julian Love, his press conference coming up at 1.30. Before we get to that, though, the voice of the Seahawks joins us next. Steve Rabel, don't go anywhere. This is the Huddle. Presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on Seattle Sports. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, Stacey Ross, and right now Steve Rabel, the voice of the Seahawks, joining us to uh, to recap a bit of the Steelers game and then look ahead to Week 18. And, Rabes, I got to say, this win, or excuse me, this loss uh, felt frustrating because it could have been a win. Like, you know that the offense had a, had a pretty solid day. Obviously, there was a fumble by Geno that you want back, but but um, but uh, uh, it was just the, an issue with the defense, and it's frustrating when you see the same issues happen over and over again. What are some of those issues to you? Well, uh, hey, Stace, how are you? Happy hey. New Year, by the way, to you and the gang. Happy New Year. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to find something to start out positive. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, and there were positives in that game, uh, just not enough of them. And, you know, give the Steelers credit. They played their behinds off on offense and defense. Uh, and they won that game. They punched us in the mouth early and often, and they just kept it up. You know, you're right. There were there were certainly issues on defense, missed tackles being one, uh, not getting off the field on third down, giving up way too many third down conversions and, and things like that to the Steelers and explosive plays, both on the ground and in the air. And the air was the one that, that Pete was really concerned about. Well, they, they eventually got those, but in large measure because of what they could do uh, on the ground against us. But, hey, uh, I'm not going to let the, the offense off the hook either. You know, three times uh, have to settle for field goals there in that second half. And, and uh, if you're not able to punch it in uh, from the red zone especially, then, then it's really difficult to win football games uh, when your defense is struggling like they've struggled against the run, certainly. So it was all around just a just a not a good way for the Seahawks, who could control their own destiny with that win, to not be in control. And now you get what you pay for. Now you have to win and hope for some help uh, by the Chicago Bears, who, by the way, uh, you know they're not going to be any slouch against the Packers. So yeah. uh, you know we hold that hope out. But still, now you have to go down and beat Arizona in Arizona, and these guys are on a roll. They're playing really well. Well, Raves, I got a positive for you. Um, there you go. Receiver to receiver, man. It's been fun watching uh, DK evolve as a receiver. Uh, he comes into the league, 
They say he's a one-trick pony, and over the past few weeks especially, man, I've seen him uh, make difficult catches, hand catches, some things that he wasn't doing earlier in his career. Uh, what, do you, what do you make of, of DK's uh, game last week and his season overall? Well, I think, you know, you're over 1,100 yards in receptions and you still have a game to go. Uh, you're second in total receptions to Tyler Lockett, but what is he averaging? I, I mean, some astronomical number for for receptions um, and then scoring as well with a touchdown. So, you know, he's done everything they could ask him to do. Plus, what he doesn't get enough credit for is blocking. When you see Ken Walker make a big run or one of the other receivers catch the ball and, and get uh, yards after the catch, oftentimes it's it's part of that reason is because DK is out there blocking for him. But yeah, has he gotten into some scrapes? Sure. But that's because he's just a fierce competitor. And some of those penalties, you know, you'll take. They're not dumb penalties. They're aggressive penalties. And some of those you'll take uh, if he keeps playing the way he is. He's, he's definitely become, you know, the number one receiver. Uh, and the three of them together have really um, gelled well. I, I think they needed to use utilize uh, Tyler a little bit more this last weekend. I, I'm not sure if it was simply game plan or if it was just what the, the defense was doing or not doing. And they didn't obviously do a very good job in taking uh, taking DK away because he had, uh, what, seven catches or something like that. Uh, so I, I think that, that the receiving crew is, is good. Uh, you know, I wouldn't change a thing. Plus throw in a couple of those tight ends. Fant had a great day, which is one of the reasons why Tyler might not get the receptions that he was looking for last week because Noah had some big catches both in crossing routes and in stop routes and things in the middle of the field where the Seahawks knew they could attack the Steelers. Hey, Rabes, uh, uh, another positive. you got three pro bowlers, Bobby Wagner, uh, Julian Love, and Devin Witherspoon. And I'm trying to remember the last time that we saw somebody, at least since I've been covering the team, which is 2004, I think I think Devin Witherspoon maybe the closest is Lofa, Lofa Tatupu, his, his rookie year. He had, he had a really good year. But, man, he has just been so much fun to watch and, yeah, who, who would you compare him to, and when's the last time you remember watching a rookie have uh, a season like this? Well, remember, Reek Woolen was a was a Pro Bowler just a year ago. So now you got two rookie cornerbacks. Well, one now in his second year, uh, and the other a rookie who you know in consecutive years went to the Pro Bowl. That's that's pretty darn good. That's a that's that's your your uh, your football staff. Uh, the, the scouts and everybody understanding that these two guys could play, even though Reek was, you know, a lesser draft choice and he just kind of came out of nowhere last year. But to be able to get that out of him a year ago and then re, uh, 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 Spoon, Spoon to get all that you could get out of him in, in uh, not only in just covering passes, passes, defense, um, he should have more interceptions than he does, but the one he has was, what, 97 for a touchdown, yeah. uh, but also his his blitzing ability, his tackling ability near the line of scrimmage. He's just remarkable to watch, and he's only going to get better. And I, I think that's one of the points that Pete made earlier this week is that that whole group of players, both in their first year and their second year, are going to do nothing but get better as they enter their third year. we just like to see him uh, play another couple of games here in the playoffs. Hey, Rabes, I got kind of a weird-slash-fun one uh, that will require you to to think oh, about uh, games past. Uh, oh, Julian Love, a first-time Pro Bowler, congratulations to him, by the way, um, said that he was really surprised, like genuinely surprised, uh, when he was named to a Pro Bowl, which I thought was just kind of funny. Like, it was, it's honest, right? It's being like, oh, wow. It's, it's, like, it's almost like how a normal person would react to just a surprise of any kind. Um, is there something that happened? 
over the course of a season or a game. So it could be a game that you played. It could be a game you called uh, that genuinely surprised you. <laughs> wow. There's a lot of um, possible well, options. Stacey, you need to send him emails the night before. There's so many different options of like, you know, a, a, just a, a, like a surprise they won. No, kind but Stacy, he's an old man. He's drinking That's his right. warm milk at night. Right. He needs okay. To. Well, here was, here was one. Um, I got exactly zero votes for the Pro Bowl uh, in 1979, which was four more than I thought I was going to get. So that was a surprise. Um, let's see. Uh, really surprising things that that uh, that have happened. Oh, oh my God! That, there's just there's so many big plays uh, and and you know big moments for for players. You know the the take a look at at, at again. We talked about just because it's more recent and my yeah. brain is working a little more recently. But <laughs> the, the things that that you asked of Witherspoon. You know, you brought him in here as a cornerback. And we figured that he'd be a starter from day one, mm-hmm. but uh, we didn't know that they were going to put him at that nickel uh, position. And all that did was put him closer to the ball on every play that he's in there and made him that much more effective. That was a little bit surprising to me uh, that he was able to do that. And now go back a few years. Did I think Russ was going to be as good as he was uh, early on, especially uh, and, and the way he was able to kind of run that offense and, and make plays. No, I don't know that anybody could have as a third-round draft pick. Uh, and then, you you know, you just keep kind of going back mm-hmm. down the line. So, you know, go back to Steve Largent. Did we did we know that in 76, Steve Largent was going to end up being a Hall of Famer? Yeah, you know, after about three years in, we knew he was a heck of a football player. But even then, do you know that that, that guy is going to have that, that lasting ability to continue to make plays through his entire career and eventually wind up in, in, uh, in uh, the, the Hall of Fame? I don't know that anybody would have said that uh, early on. So, yeah, there have been lots of those things over the years, and, and given half a chance, and, and had I not had so much to drink last night, I would probably have remembered more of those. And, no, yeah. I didn't have anything to drink last night. No, you drank thank you. warm milk, like I said. I, uh, like I, I always do. That's I right. agree with you, man. I, I think Spoon has been a huge surprise. I, I think he, he really has – I didn't expect that from him. I didn't expect them, him, them to use him that way as well. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's still so early uh, in his career. Just, just think of, of, of how much he can do yet in the future and all those young guys. And again, as Pete talked about this, this week, the, from the first to the second year is a step from the second to third is a really big step. Cause those second year guys uh, are the ones that really now, now are expected to step up and take over for some of the older players. And, you know, you're going to expect things out of, Boye Mafe, who is, you know, one sack away from having double-digit sacks, mm-hmm. that hasn't happened around here since 2018. So uh, you, you get some of those uh, guys really continue to roll in the law. And, uh, and I, I just think there's going to be nothing but great things. I just, as everybody is, as all the players and everybody say, just wish you could control that destiny and you had the chance to do it and you didn't do it on Sunday. Still a chance, obviously, if the Bears manage to beat the Packers, and obviously the Seahawks need to do their part and beat the Cardinals. Uh, Raves is going to be on the call uh, on this Sunday's game alongside Dave Wyman. Thanks so much, Rabel. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. See you, Raves. All right. Well, speaking of Julian Love, we're going to hear from Julian Love at the podium reacting to his Pro Bowl nod next. Don't go anywhere. Hurts drops back, has time, loads up, throws. A.J. Brown, the deep man. It's intercepted. Does he keep his feet in? He does! Seahawks ball! The interception made by Love 
This guy's going nuts for the Seahawks defense, making big plays. That one sealed the win for Seattle against the Philadelphia Eagles. And now Julian Love, new pro bowler, speaking with reporters. Take a listen. Uh, very unexpected. Um, yeah, just genuine shock. Um, yeah, and it obviously it's, it's, it's cool. My family and I are extremely excited um, just for, you know, that nod. Why were you shocked? I don't know. I mean, shoot, there were some games I I didn't play this year. Uh, you know, that Ravens game, Dallas game, I wasn't out there that much. Um, by a lot of people's eyes, I was the third safety, which, you know, in some games I was. Um, and so, yeah, I just try to stay productive, just kind of do my thing, and um, it's cool. And, you know, fan voting, I even pushed for that this year. And so, I don't know, it was just out of my mind uh, all year. How did, how did you find out? Uh <laughs> We were in, uh, me and Spoon were in, our, in, a, in the locker. We were, our lockers were right next to each other, and uh, somebody grabs us and rushes us to an office. And I'm like, oh, I have to sign something. You know, direct deposit, I was acting funny. And so, uh, and the Pete sitting in there in his little godfather chair, big godfather chair right there. And uh, he just said, congrats uh, to myself, Spoon, and uh, Bobby. When you look at the numbers, I mean, you say that you weren't on the field that much necessarily as a safety, but you do lead the team in special teams tackles. Oh, of course. <laughs> you have set some career highs in certain categories. Yeah. Which of those numbers do you take most pride in? Uh, I do take a lot of pride uh, in the special teams numbers. Uh, my wife always laughs at me when I say that uh, after each game. Whatever happens, can get a pick, whatever. Um, you see that special teams tackle? Did you see me on punt? And she always jokes, I don't know, that's kind of who I am as a player, I feel like. I'm just somebody who tries to be out there and be productive. And I think those guys in the special teams room really are just the grittiest players on the team and just try to get it by any means. And so I, I kind of relate to them. Um, so, yeah, that's always I, – I, I keep track of that stat for sure. Um, and I don't know, I just – you know, tackles is a, is a thing. That's just Midwest football for me. Within, within 17 tackles of your career high, and as you pointed out, you haven't been playing as many snaps as in previous years. Yeah. So what did you improve on? What changed that's gotten you that close to that career number? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I feel like, I, I don't know, I've always been a solid tackler. Um, I've just been put in some opportunities to make a lot of plays. And, you know, this past week, it wasn't our cleanest game, but I had a, a good amount of tackles. Um, I had a couple three pieces, uh, special teams for uh, two games, I think. Um, I don't know. I think just my mindset has just been trying to be consistent as I can. Whatever the circumstances around myself are, I just try to get in there and just be around the ball, get to the ball. My high school coach still texts me almost every day saying, just get to the ball. That's all you have to do. Uh, and, yeah, that's, I think, what that makes up. As you said, at times you're the third safety this year. Was there, going back to March and making a decision, was there any hesitation about, like, hey, do I want to, go to a team where I'm not a clear starter? Initially, I would say, yeah. Um, I'm coming off of being a captain, being, you know, kind of the starting guy, playing almost 100% of snaps last year um, into a situation where I have two top quality, you know, high character safeties. And <laughs> I had to make a choice, like, okay, do I want to be the man somewhere? Um, or do I want to be somewhere where, you know, I can win, I can grow, I can just learn from. And it talking to Pete for the first time I think got me got that affirmed for me um and yeah I knew what it was this year I was not I wasn't caught off guard by the situation this year um and just being around Quandre and uh, Jamal has just been nothing but great for my game I think those guys are, are great leaders they are positive with me they 
are constructive with me and, you know, they set a higher standard, I feel like, for myself, which I'm, I'm really grateful for. How often do you talk to your high school coach? Oh, like, we talk often. <laughs> we talk uh, probably every other day. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's my guy. I don't know. I think he he was one of the first people who kind of believed in me in a, in a higher sense, other than you know my, my mom and dad. Uh, he helps run my youth camp in in the in the off season. Um, he's somebody who also just kind of shoots it straight. I think some of the hardest critics I have is one my wife. She's a, she's a straight shooter, um, and him. If something's out there that looks funky, not giving good effort, not chasing down plays, um, not running to the ball, he'll let me know. Um, and he's he's well known in Chicago land area. He's coached me, my brother, um, retired, helped him retire my jersey in my high school. And so, yeah, he's a, he's a great figure. What was Pete's sales pitch to you when you were talking about uh, you know debating where whether or not to sign here? Honestly, just him looking at the film. Uh, I think him seeing what I do on the film. I wasn't a huge name in free agency, I don't think. And uh, he just said, You're, "You can succeed here. We want to run a lot of three safety stuff." Um, you can play deep, you can play up, you're versatile, you can cover. Um, and we have something special brewing here. Obviously, at the time, we had some draft picks. We just had a lot to look forward to. And just that excitement, it, it got me. It got me sold. Um, also, it was sunny here in Seattle, and so his office is right on the corner next to the the, the lake. And I just, uh, he, he, yeah, he, he summoned some good, some good energy for that meeting. So, yeah. You know, I saw a lot of simple stuff, just not done the best. Uh, that's from me. That's from everyone across the defense. I think everybody had those one or two one-offs. I always talk about one-offs, but I think that's something we have to just minimize. Um, tackling, obviously, was a, was a hot topic, um, and we're working on that. But it's really just it's just playing a tough brand of football that we just slipped up on, and we never got our, our grip on for the game. And so now this week, that's just we're, we're up in it. We're working on it, and we know what every team is seeing. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of what I took back from it. You talked about Pete uh, yeah. saying that you could be successful here. So your first year with them, and you get your first Pro Bowl selection. Mm -hmm. You know, what does that mean to you? It's unbelievable. Like I said, it, it's crazy. Uh, I mean, it's obviously you can hear it, you can think it, but that's never on my mind. Um, especially this year, I just it was never on my mind. Um, for a possibility. I was productive. I knew kind of where I stacked up against everybody else, but, you know, I just thought it was just one of those things that I don't usually get. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's it's affirming for sure, but I know obviously there's a lot more that, that I left out there that I feel like I can get. Arizona's leading receiver is a tight end. Tight ends have been yeah. post challenges for this defense. Where is the biggest challenge with McBride on Sunday? You know, he's a talented, confident player. Um, young guy. Uh, he has some speed, you know. He's a high four 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 five guy. Uh, he's physical. I think he's on the rise. You're going to hear about his name um, probably for the next coming years, and you know we're going to be seeing him for the next coming years. And uh, yeah, he just he can do it all. He's become that that safety net for that offense. Um, yeah, he's just a he's an effective player. And so, yeah, it's uh, you know we gotta know where he's at. Your wife went to Nazareth. Yeah. Oh yeah. Class? Uh, one class above me. So okay. she's a year older. Okay. Uh, yeah. Nice. How how was that going to Notre Dame and, and maintaining a relationship, playing big time football, and then going to the NFL and maintaining a relationship? Yeah, it was you know ups and downs, highs and lows initially, but then 
you know, we've, I think this year we'll be together dating, whatever, for 10 years now. Um, and I feel like the past eight have just been, you know, have just been the best. Uh, it's been, I mean, we just know each other. She's, she's, she's my person. People, some people in the, in the building know her, have heard of her. Um, she's, she's the smartest people I know and she's, uh, she's good. Now she's a wonderful mother. She's doing a good job, uh, with, uh, the baby. She went to St. Mary's. So school, how far? I could throw a football to St. Mary's. Yeah, it's right across one, one road. No, she was a year ahead, so she was going there. And then I was a you know lower, I was three-star recruit. Um, got an offer from Notre Dame, committed on the spot. Uh, that was my dream school, and just it just happened to work out. And that just, uh, I think that was just something that was meant to be for sure. And that made it a, a ton easier uh, for our relationship. Was she a high school athlete or anything? Uh, she bounced around a few sports. She'll tell you she's an athlete. Uh, she <laughs> played four sports, just none of them really for more than like two years. Um, and so, yeah, she, you know, she she's a solid tennis swing. That's about it. <laughs> don't don't put that anywhere. <laughs> Everyone, no one write that. Let's uh, cut that. Edit that. Uh, I'll need that coming up later. John Boyle, uh, Seahawks.com reporter, is going to join us next, and we'll recap our final thoughts heading into this one. Don't go anywhere. This, this is the Huddle. Presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on Seattle Sports. John Boyle joins us now on the huddle. And, uh, John, when you left this game, we're going to look ahead to Arizona kind of towards the end of this segment, but when you left this game um, between the Seahawks and Steelers, what did you think to yourself as maybe the biggest reason that the Seahawks weren't able to close this one out? I mean, just you can say their defense in whole, but particularly the run defense. I mean, you can't let a team rush for, was yeah. it, 145 in the first half alone, 200 in the game. Like, that's not a winning formula at all. And they've, you know, they, they'd done a better job of limiting the big plays the previous two weeks. Even when teams were getting yards, they weren't getting the explosives. And they got away from that, and it cost them a game. When you look at uh, the the tackling issues, because they've like they started the season with those issues, and it disappears for a while, and then it reemerges. Um, is it more of like the scheme, or do you think it's just the players just not finishing the job once they get to the rock? I mean, there's some of both. Pete Carroll pointed this out, but it's like sometimes, yeah, one guy missing an individual tackle and it looks bad when you see it. But if the scheme's played right, there's three guys there. Mm -hmm. And so you're not counting on one guy to make that open field tackle or bring a guy down, like coming off the backside and drag a guy down. So it's definitely both. I mean, Pete Carroll pointed to that a couple times this week of like guys just weren't always playing things right. And when that happens, it creates those opportunities where one guy has to make a tough play. So, uh, but there's also times where guys just got to make the play and they weren't going to done. So it, it, it falls on everybody. Hey, Julian Love was talking about uh, how they uh, told him he was a yeah. pro bowler and all that. Take us through that. Yeah, Did yeah. they try to make it a big deal? Or? Yeah, so I guess the way he – and we talked to Devin Witherspoon afterwards too, and it sounds like they um, they just pulled him, you know, the three guys, Bobby, Spoon, and Julian Love, pulled him aside. This was after practice yesterday and told him, hey, you know, you got to go talk to Pete really quick. And Witherspoon joked he thought he was in trouble for something. And they, <laughs> they pull him into Mo Kelly's office, and Pete's sitting there in a chair and tells him, hey, congrats, guys. So I think, you know, for Bobby Wagner, it's almost old hat. It's still an honor, but nine times. But for, I think, both, you know, both the other guys, first time, and in the case of Julian Love, probably pretty unexpected. He said that 
in his press conference, like for part of that season, I was the third safety. Yeah. Like I wasn't yeah. on the Pro Bowl ballot, and here he is getting a nice, nice little recognition. Yeah, if I'm Julian and Devin, I'm thinking, okay, well, at least Bobby's here. So if he did something <laughs> yeah. bad, then we, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, we, we we're okay. Bobby's in this, so <laughs> yeah. maybe we're not in trouble. Yeah, or, or if you know, I'm gonna guess if he did something bad, maybe they'll take it easy, you know, <laughs> yeah. on all of us. Um, it is very cool though to have. I mean, kind of an extension of this conversation, a second consecutive year with a drafted cornerback. Yeah. You know, having those honors, I'm sure will be a candidate uh, in a close one for defensive rookie of the year. Um, it's uh, it's it's been a bummer we haven't seen an even better season from Wollin because in theory they've got this really yeah. great duo. I mean, how do you kind of see the group right now? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been with you know, for Wollin he started the year hurt and I think that's yeah. kind of set him back a little bit and it hasn't been his best year. He's been playing with some injuries during the season too, but he's still done a lot of really good things. And I think they look at it as, you know, this was a guy who probably exceeded all reasonable expectations as a rookie, given, you know, how new he is to the position. He was considered this really raw prospect that people didn't expect big things from. And then he had that crazy rookie year. So long-term, I think everybody's still very high on his upside. And then we've seen what Spoon's done. He's just been awesome. So yeah, I think those are two guys you can look at as like, really big foundational long-term pieces here how good has this uh interior line been man i think leonard's played good jay yeah, reed's really been getting well. some love and we think about the difficulties in the run game um you naturally want to look at the interior guys and say okay mm. what are they doing but I've, i think they've had a pretty good season yeah i mean leonard williams especially coming on late since he got here he's the last few games been playing really well you know making a lot of plays as a pass rusher doing stuff in the run game Jaron Reed's been, you know, one of their more consistent players all season long, game in, game out. So those guys, you know, individually, they're both playing really well. But unfortunately, when you look at the run game problems, like it, it takes a lot of plays. It takes everybody doing their job right at the same time. And a couple guys can be playing great. But if one guy even messes up, it can get away from you. Uh, you're out at practices and stuff like that. The, these guys were, were asking me, like, as a linebacker, what do you do late in the season to practice tackling? Because you can't really go full speed. Yeah. And you're not in pads at all. But do you see them out there? I mean, you know, I was saying, look, you can work on your pad level. You can work yeah, on they're your, still... your, your footwork and stuff like that. Do you see them doing yeah, a little bit no, more? No, I of mean, that? they still do that where it's, you know, like Pete Carroll always talks about their tackling fundamentals of, you know, the way a lot of it's, especially the open field stuff, the way you approach the guy you know, lining it up right so you're not going to miss them keeping your head out of it because that's a big part of it now as well. So, yeah, I mean, they're not putting pads on. They're not, I mean, basically nobody in the NFL tackles to the ground even in training camp anymore. So that part of it you can't really simulate, but it's more about getting the fundamentals down to put yourself in the right position to make the play. Um, kind of a weird one, but uh, I was going to ask. Right. Well, can't no, wait. here's the deal. <laughs> John, I was going to ask you what do you hope this team has learned this year? And then I was like, well, I don't and I think we all know the answer. So maybe from the outside looking in, as a reporter who's, um, you know, covered this team and, and covered a couple teams for many years, does it feel like each year you learn something new? And if so, what did you learn this year? Yeah, boy, that's a big, broad question. I'm I not sure I was ready to answer it. I'm I good mean, at those. More than anything, <laughs> like this team in particular, I think it's just learning lessons about like the inconsistencies and how those can hurt you because we've seen just about in every aspect whether it's offense defense run pass they've done everything. they've done everything well at times this year and they've yeah. struggled in just about every area at times this year sometimes there's an obvious you know guys are injured whatever but other times it's just sort of mysteriously they get away from something and you know dk metcalf talked about this yesterday he's like we see it we can be you know a really good team when we do x y and z right but it's putting it all together and i you know 
I think some of that, as Pete Carroll brought up, it's some of that's youth. This is still a really young team. They've got, mm-hmm. you know, 20-some first- and second-year guys on the 53-man roster. So sometimes young guys will make mistakes, things like that. But, yeah, it's, it's just a case of finding what's working for you and doing it more consistently. Yeah. This gave me PTSD to uh, Thanksgiving when my grandma used to force everyone to say what they're thankful for in front of, like, 15 people. Oh, Tell me what question. you're grateful for. But when you're a kid, you know, oh, you're a little okay. shook, you know. Uh, <laughs> I was like, each time, just say family. Yeah. yeah just right. say family. My family. My family. No, my grandma would be like, no, ori- goes, original uh, thought. Original, original thought. thought. So yeah. when you, if, you're so number, if you're number 14, you're like, hey, oh. I'm uh, the first grandchild, so. The flow I, of I commerce. Was like, I was like fourth or fifth. <laughs> yeah, you got to volunteer to go first. <laughs> Um, Boyle, if you are the GM, what's the first position you're drafting this year? Oh, boy. It's <laughs> a good one. Uh, is Penix there? Let's yeah, say Penix he is. is available. Yeah. You got the 24th uh, pick in the draft. Penix is available. I don't, man. By 24, it's so hard to, like. They're all second, third round. You have no idea. You just have no idea who's available. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's where you try to pick a position you want to draft that far down the first round. That's where you get in trouble if you're like you got to draft a defensive end or right. a defensive tackle or an offensive line. Like, I mean, I think in general, when you look at like where this team maybe has had some issues, sometimes I'd say if you can just get better in the trenches on either side of the ball, mm-hmm. that's always a great way to go. But again, it's you can't reach for what you see as a need and then end up making a mistake. Learn that last year, right? Just take the best player. I mean, available. yeah, Spoon probably wasn't your biggest need, but mm-hmm. Pete Carroll yeah. and John Shire looked at him and was like, this guy looks like a like, you know, I mean, compared to Troy Polamalu, the day he picked him, like generational type talent, and he's played like it. And if you can get a guy who totally tilts the field, maybe not your biggest need, that's more valuable than a guy who plays a position that that particular year looks like a need and he's not as good of a player. Well, and that's, you know, people are talking about um, taking Jalen Carter. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys, they don't want to play the interior tackles more than 55% of the plays or 60%. And that's one of the reasons why they went and got Big Cat. You get a guy like Spoon who's he's out there 100%. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he has such a huge effect. I, I think he's just been one of the great surprises. Not, not only um, just with the Seahawks, but just the fact that he is such an average-sized guy. Yeah. And he's got so much energy in the way he plays and he just seems very confident. It's hard to look at him and, and think that he's a, a rookie. Yeah. So yeah, I, that that was one of the that was the more strange. I mean, as much as it puzzles me that he is able to make that many plays, the other thing is that that Schneider picked him. <laughs> it's because Michael ja- you had Mike Jackson who was playing well. You had mm-hmm. Reek Woolen. You had yeah. Kobe again, it didn't Bryant. seem like an obvious like oh yeah. we need to get a corner, but. Again, they just saw him as like, this guy looks like a guy who could be, I mean, Pro Bowl caliber talent, obviously from day one. And you think he can do that year after year after year. And if you do that, that's a very valuable piece. He is John Boyle, reporter for Seahawks.com. Follow him uh, on X.com at John P. Boyle for the latest updates. John's got some stuff up on those three pro bowlers as well as uh, the latest uh, from he'll have the press conferences and injury reports. Um, John. Boyle. for joining us. We of appreciate course. it. Uh, all right. So thank you to John. Uh, thank you to uh, Tyler Lockett, Colby Parkinson for joining us. Obviously, Ray Roberts and Steve Rabel, all our great guests today. We always appreciate it. This is The Huddle.